Vibrant Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the Hermit. I'm excited about this series uh, that we are starting called Crash to Chatterbox. And uh, I believe that for many of us, and I say us, for many of us this is going to be a liberating series. Because all of us struggle with the chatterbox. And some of you are saying, what is the chatterbox? I'm so glad that you asked. You know, in sixth grade, I found and fell in love with the crush of my life. Her name was Angela Driggers. I was in love. I was like four foot eight and she was four foot two. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. And I found out she liked me too. And I mustered up the courage to write her a note to give to my best friend to hand to her. And as I wrote this note, Will you go out with me? Check yes or no. I didn't even leave maybe as an option. In my head, I'm thinking, what if I'm not cute enough for her? What if she doesn't like me the way that I like her? And what if she says, no, what will happen to me? And all of these are my thoughts that are running through my head as I hand the note to my best friend and watch him run across the sanctuary of my church and hand the note and I'm watching her facial expressions, eyeballing every single one to see if, oh, is that anger? Is that frustration? Is she going to laugh at me? Is she going to mock me? What's going to happen? Only... To be elated as my best friend ran back to me and she had checked yes. And we spent six months dating each other and never said one word to each other. And then she dumped me. Pray for me, I'm still hurt. But in my mind as I was going through this humorous and silly scenario were all kinds of thoughts about maybe inadequacies and insecurities and it's chatter. In the midst of everything going on, there's also the voices in my head, not the crazy voices. And don't act like you don't ever have these kind of thoughts either. And the chatter was there. The chatter was there amongst everything. This is a silly story, but the truth is this infiltrates into every aspect of our life. And this series is about the fact that the voice you believe will determine the future you experience. The voice you believe will determine the future that you experience. You see, we have a choice as to which thoughts we consume. And eventually our thoughts will consume us. They will. That's why my wife is so in love with me. She's consumed with me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Our thoughts will consume us. So let's be selective as to which thoughts we think through. Amen? Let's pray and we'll get this series started. I'm excited about it and lean in today. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different than usual, but that's okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing here today. We thank you that you're present. We thank you that you're doing something real and powerful in our lives. And God, we're expectant for what you're going to do in and through this series, and more importantly, in and through our lives. That we can silence the chatter within. That we can begin to focus in and hone in on the voice from you and your Holy Spirit. Leading us and guiding us and silencing the voice of the enemy. So God, we thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake them on the shoulder and say, get ready. It's going to be good today. If you didn't obey that, then you're probably going to hell. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I want to read a verse to you, Psalm 139. And I think this is one of those verses, again, that, that really is so powerfully potent that you could probably just stop here. You could probably just stop right here and, and move on and, and be good to go. Psalm 139, verse 14, it says this. I praise you, for I am fearfully... Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm fearful. No, wait, that's not the right thing. Are y'all going to be with me today? 
All right, I'm going to preach even longer unless I get some amens. Just get ready for it. Or laugh really loud. Even if it's fake laughter, it's okay. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it full well or very well. The works that this scripture is talking about is not just the works of God crafting the mountains and the ocean and the animals. But the works this is talking about are the workmanship that he put into crafting and designing you. Specifically, you. That's why that's the anchor verse for this entire series. Would you put it up one more time? The anchor verse for this entire series, Psalm 139, which says this. Can you put it up one more time? There we go. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows this very well. As we go through this series, I want to challenge you to open your heart to what God wants to say to each of us today. Because I believe, I believe that God wants the best for us. And more often than not, we don't realize it, but we allow the enemy to whisper the chatter into our mind. And it keeps us or prevents us from experiencing all that God has. You know, I did some studying, and I don't know about you, but I'm into TED Talks. Any of you guys watch TED Talks? Awesome. So I love TED Talks, and, and one that's on there that she's very famous, and she's probably become more of the, the uh, more well-known TED Talkers, if you will. Her name is Brene Brown, and she wrote a, a book. It's an amazing book. It's got some different theology than I do, but that's okay. And, and she talked about, and she really actually covers the topic of vulnerability, and she says this, the key to wholeness is the willingness to be vulnerable. That if we want to experience the fullness and the wholeness of who we are as individuals, we have to first learn to be vulnerable. And she talks about the fact that this is typically the number one breakdown between interaction with people. The number one breakdown between us accomplishing the things that God has for us. And she goes on to talk about how most of us, when we experience challenges, we say or recite this phrase... I am never blank enough. I'm never blank. When I face challenges, the phrase that typically comes into our minds is I'm never blank enough. And you can fill in that blank if you'd like. I'm never smart enough. I'm never good enough. I'm never talented enough. I'm not uh, who I should be. I would like to be that, but I'm not this, and I'm not successful enough. I'm not good looking enough. I don't like the way that my body looks. I don't have as much uh, social uh, status as I would like to have. I'm not good enough. And all of us can fill in this blank, and we can keep it at a surface level, or we can go deeper, too. For me, if I'm to fill in this blank, just to be completely transparent, one of the biggest ones for me is I'm not or I'm never smart enough. My whole life, I've been challenged with the idea, the notion that everyone else figures it out a lot quicker than I do. I love to read. I I read about two to three books at a time, but it takes me months to read books that most of you could read in weeks because I have ADD, ADD, And I start reading through the passage and then I'm like four pages in and I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner and I have to go back and read again. Is anyone else like that in here? Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I don't ever read good enough or well enough. But I, I really do tr- I struggle with that. When I get in the room with other pastors, I often feel like I'm not smart enough. Like there are other people who, who've got it figured out more than I do. Another one I, I often struggle with is I'm... I'm not strong enough of a leader. I don't really have this thing figured out and it's just, I'm not, I don't have the strength to carry it. I'm just being transparent. 
I'm not strong enough of a leader. What would you feel in that blank? Can I get some crowd participation? Let's just be honest right here. It's going to be a little awkward. Just go for it. What would that blank be for you? Go ahead. Go ahead. What? You're not ever good enough? What else? Go ahead. Successful. What else? Go ahead. Come on. Rich enough. Okay. What else? Strong enough. What else? Smart enough. Anyone else? What else? How many of you feel awkward enough right now? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny how even in this moment, we don't actually want to shout out the words because we struggle with it? And really, if we were to be honest, it would be a challenge to share those things with people. That's what Brene was saying, that when we face challenges, that phrase pops into our head. And that challenge could be, I'm just not a good enough parent. If I was a better parent, it, it wouldn't be this way in my life. There's so much chaos, I don't know what else to experience. I'm not a good enough husband. If I did, she would be more passionately into me. I'm not a good enough wife. If I did, he would give me more compliments and talk about what he actually loves and values about me. We face challenges in our marriage. We face challenges at school. We face challenges at work. I just don't have the skill set. I'm not, I've not got the skill set to accomplish the task before us. And the crazy thing is these aren't words that are spoken out loud. It's chatter in our mind. And this whole series about, is about what voice we choose to listen to. Because the voice that we choose to listen to will determine the future that we experience. And the truth is, I don't care who you are or what season of life you're in or what you've walked through. Every one of us has a chatterbox. And don't act like you don't. There were a million thoughts that were running through your head when you came. Before we even started the first song, most of you weren't even in here. You were parking and you were so angry at your spouse because they did or didn't. Or your kids and you're thinking through these thoughts and you're grumbling in your head. I know you're perfect, but it's the person sitting next to you I'm talking to. And you're rumbling through these thoughts or you're wondering, why does Jeremy have this beanie on? It's not even cold outside. I don't understand. What do these words even mean? And you don't even know what's going on. Why do I want to raise my hand? I don't have a question to ask. No? Of course you did. You're thinking, why does this guy button the top button? And why does he always wear shirts that are just a little bit too tight? I know you think it. I know you think it. Black. He's always wearing black because it's slimming. Slimming. Yeah. I know you think it. I know the chatterbox. We want to go through a scripture and study the, a, a portion of a, a guy named Moses' story in the Bible. I'm so grateful that Megan shared on this very topic as a precursor to this series. We're going to study the, a portion of Moses' life and explore three thoughts that he had as he encountered the true living God. And I think you and I will both find that we struggle with some of these very same thoughts. We're going to read in Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read a few passages, so just hang with me. The scriptures will be on the screen if you'd like to read along or pull out your your mobile device or your old school Bible, whatever it is, and and read along with me. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1, it says this, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. 
Now you need to know any time or most of the times in scriptures when, when the word is repeated twice, especially in reference to someone's name, this is a reminder of God's covenant to us. Moses, Moses. God is about to give Moses his calling for his life. Moses, Moses. He's saying lean in a little bit. Not like when you talk to your kid, get over here, listen, listen, get over here right now, right now. He's not like that, he's not angry. He's just saying, Moses, Moses, lean in, lean in. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take off your sandals, off of your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Aren't you glad that we have a God that sees our affliction? And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Listen to this, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But who am I? But who am I? Can you imagine standing before a bush that is on fire in fuego? I think that's correct. That's okay if it's not. Muy caliente, see? On fire, but not consumed. And the voice of God speaks to you and says, Hey, I've seen the affliction of my people. And I'm sending you to be a deliverer. And what is Moses' first response? Who am I? There are three characters here. The bush doesn't count as a character. There are three characters here. There's God. There's Moses. And you know who the third character is? The chatterbox. You can see it at work here. God's speaking to Moses and God is outlining outlining this plan of what he has for Moses to do. The affliction of his people. I mean, this is a crazy moment. I think sometimes we, we read a story or a passage like this, and depending on your length in church, you've heard it so many times. You maybe saw a flannel graph. You watched the VeggieTales version of this. It doesn't matter. And so we kind of remove this as some kind of crazy, uh, you know, once-in-a-lifetime thing. And it is, but we don't realize the, the uniqueness of the fact that God is speaking to a man through a burning, stinking bush. This is crazy weird. And in the presence of God, you don't feel crazy weird. You feel a sense of awe and honor and yet at the same time, peace. It's unmistakable. And God says, take off your sandals. The ground upon which you are standing is holy. And something had to have swept over Moses in that moment. Consumed by the presence of the true and living God. God says, I've heard the cry of my people. And I've chosen you. And the chatterbox is going. And Moses' first response is, who am I? I can't do this. I'm never good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not a leader like you want me to be. He inserts the phrases which we just spoke through here. 
God's speaking to him and he says, man, I just can't do this. And I think thought number one that Moses had is I'm so dysfunctional. I'm so dysfunctional. See, what you may or may not know is that Moses, like you and like me, had a past. In fact, Moses was a murderer. We studied the scripture just a few passages early in Moses' life. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. One day after Moses had gone up, he went out to where his people were and watched them in their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out to see and he saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And then the chatterbox starts. Then Moses was afraid and he thought, what, what I did, what I did, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. So Moses, years before, literally almost 40 years prior to this moment, has a moment of lapse of judgment and he does something wrong. And so now when he stands before God years later and God's saying, Moses, I've called you. Moses, I've chosen. What he instantly thinks about is not God's purpose or promise for him, but he instantly thinks of and is reminded of his past. He thinks, I'm so dysfunctional. Instead of highlighting the goodness of who God is, he simply and immediately highlights his past. And you need to know the enemy will use your history to create an insecurity that will threaten your destiny. The enemy will use your history to create an insecurity that will threaten your destiny. I'm so dysfunctional. I'm so dysfunctional. What I did. My past is too great. My past is too big. My past is too severe. My past is too nasty. My past is too jacked up. If you only knew, God, where I have been and what I have done, then you clearly would not be talking to me today from this bush. If you only understood exactly what I have walked through and the times I've turned my back on you, the times that I've said no when I should have said yes, or yes when I should have said no, then you would realize and understand right here, right now, you shouldn't be talking to me. He would highlight his past instead of understanding and highlighting that the true living God is talking to him. I got to be honest with you, man. I, I struggle with this. This is a series we're going to be transparent. And I need you to know I've shared my story before and I won't go into it today. But literally there is not a time that I don't start to walk up the stairs to this stage that the chatterbox doesn't start going. You don't have any right to preach. They're not listening to you. They're just looking at their watch, waiting for lunch. Why are you even talking? You haven't figured this whole thing out yet. You don't know enough of the scripture. Did you check out the Hebrew and the Greek on that? Are you sure you're right? You look good, but that's about it. <laughs> you think I'm kidding every Sunday morning. Carrie, you remember that one time when you did that? You remember when you had everybody fooled thinking that you were a great Christian interning as a young man and on the inside it was pure corruption chatterbox every time I'm so dysfunctional I'm so dysfunctional I'm just too jacked up and the truth is all of us are jacked up 
some more than others. Hide your kids and hide your wife. All of us are just a little bit jacked up. We all are. Have you ever had the thought, has this ever crossed your mind? How can God know me so well and still love me so much? You ever had that thought? The chatterbox. How can God know me so well and love me so much? Do you know that one of the biggest contributing factors for people not attending church is because of this thought that I'm too dysfunctional? My week, my morning, my past month is a disqualifier for me attending church. And Moses was in the same place. But some of you need to know this morning that no dysfunction is so great in us that God cannot overcome it and do something through us. You might need to write that down today. Pastor Kerry, you don't really understand. Yeah, I do. I may not have been there. I may not know your decisions. But no dysfunction is so great in you that God cannot overcome it and do something through you. It's time to start choosing which voice we are going to listen to. Thought number two. Thought number two. I am so deficient. Number one, I'm so dysfunctional. I'm jacked up. Number two, I'm so deficient. Deficient just means lacking something that is needed. The first is our past. The second is feelings of inadequacy. I don't have enough. I'm never strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. I can't handle this. Hey God, why don't you choose somebody who's got it together more than me? Has anybody ever felt like you're just a little deficient? Can you just raise your hand? Can we just be honest in this place? Man, can you look around for a moment? Man, those of you that don't raise your hand, would y'all just encourage us a little later on today? We appreciate you, right? I just don't, I'm just not, I don't have enough. I just don't have the strength. I don't have the courage. I don't have the faith. And walking through this thing with my family, my father, I was talking to one of our board members who's here today, and I said, I just don't know how to have the faith. And he said, just remember that God's grace is sufficient for you. And it was an encouragement to me. A reminder that it's okay. I may lack some things, but this is the thought I feel that hinders us from accomplishing some of the things that God wants to do in our life. And so Moses hears God speaking to him. He says, I've called you to go talk to the Egyptians. And, and Moses is like, well, listen, I get it. I believe you, I think. But you know what? The people, they're not, they're not going to believe me. They're going to hear me and see me come out of the wilderness. i got this gnarly beard and robes that smell like sheep doo-doo. And I've got to go back into Egypt. And I'm going to say, let my people go. And they're not going to understand. And so God's like, okay. I got that covered too. Hey, you see that stick in your hand? Watch this, throw it on the ground. And Moses throws it on the ground. It turns into a snake. That's pretty awesome. He says, pick up that snake. And so he picks up the snake and it turns back into a stick. Okay, now check this out, Moses. Take your hand and stick it. Just put it inside your cloak. And Moses just puts it in his cloak and, and he says, pull it out. And he pulls it out and his hand is leprous. He's got a skin disease. It's white as snow. And God says, okay, now put it back into your shirt. Check this out. This is going to be awesome. Boom. Now pull it out. Boom. Healed. This is awesome, right? And God says, there's one other thing. You're not going to see it now. But when you get there and they don't believe you, go down to the river, the river Nile, and, and get a pitcher full of water and bring it over to Pharaoh and pour it out. And when you do that, the water will have turned to blood. So God lays out all these things that he's going to do to prove to the Egyptians, to prove to the Hebrews that God sent 
Moses. And Moses is standing there experiencing that. And listen to what he says next in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Excuse me, God. Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And then the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes the deaf or the mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is that not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will speak to you, and I will teach you what to say. So here is Moses experiencing things, already gone through the feelings of, man, I'm just so dysfunctional, I'm just jacked up. And then he starts to feel, I'm just so deficient, I'm not smart enough. He says, okay, God, I get all that, I see all that, but I just, I'm not, I don't, I don't know how to speak. I can't speak well enough. I can't communicate like I should communicate. I can't do this the way that you've called me to do. And God's like, bro, who created your stinking mouth? I did. Who created the heavens and the earth? I did. Just trust in me and I'll teach you what to say. See, the challenge is that when we doubt the product, we insult the manufacturer. When we doubt the product, we insult the manufacturer. And listen, you get this, okay? You get it because you get insulted when someone doesn't agree with your opinion. Yes! We got into talking politics when I was back home and interrupted into an argument. I was thinking, what in the world am I doing? We're not going to talk about politics right now. I'll just tell you simply right now, the greatest place to eat in South Orange County is Pizza Port. And if you don't agree, you're probably going to hell. And some of you have been there. You're like, and I'm like, shut your mouth, Satan. Right? Because you disagree with my opinion. My opinion. And yet some of us have the audacity... To defy God by saying, you haven't given me the skills that I need to accomplish what you've called me to accomplish. And sometimes I, I, I've thought that, that insecurity could be like humility, but I don't think it actually is. I think it's important to stay humble and to remember who our strength comes from. But when our humility turns into insecurity, I believe it's the ultimate insult to God. It's suggesting that we would have done a better job had we created us. It's suggesting that I don't have what I should have that you've called me to have. So therefore, you as a manufacturer, you might be just a little bit jacked up. And some of us think, well, I would never say that. I would never say that. Yet we live a life sometimes where when God calls or God speaks or we should, we should be stepping out into faith what God has for us. And we step back because we feel I'm just too deficient. If I was a better mom, my kids would act better. It's probably true. I'm kidding. I just am not fun enough as a parent. Or I don't discipline enough as a parent. The problem is, you can't have fun and discipline. You can't discipline and have fun, so you just suck. It's bad. So we go through this battle back and forth, feeling like, man, I'm deficient. I don't have the strength that I need. And it actually comes across as an insult to God. I love what Stephen Furtick says about this. He says, when we second guess our ability, we're ultimately questioning God's craftsmanship. We're implying that he left something out whenever he put us together. And you need to know that, man, if you don't have it, you don't need it. 
If you don't have it, you don't need it. God wasn't deterred by the fact that Moses stuttered. He didn't go, oh my goodness. Why, I never thought of that, Moses. What in the world? Sorry, hey, rain check on that. I'm going to go talk to somebody else. Do well, be well, talk to you later. I don't know if that's how God speaks, but... He wasn't taken back by the fact that Moses... He was there when he was created. Every time Moses spoke, God heard it. And he knew what was going on. He wasn't deterred by that which Moses lacked. In fact, God's like, hey, I've got it covered. You don't need anything else but me. You don't need anything else but me. The problem is that we usually feel deficient when we're comparing ourselves to other people. And most of the time, we're comparing our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Especially with social media. You thought you did a great job getting your kids a Christmas gift, and then you found out somebody else got them a helicopter flight across to Hawaii, and then they rode on horses through rainbows. And you're like, I failed. I thought my beard was awesome until I got on the train in Dallas. This dude had this most amazing beard with a curly mustache. And I was like, this is awesome, and I suck. My wife said, yeah, shave your beard, and I just cried. We play this comparison game, and we compare who we are currently with the context of what we see in everybody else's life. And that usually leads to feelings of deficiency. We allow someone else's life to dictate whether or not we have enough, are smart enough, are talented enough, are gifted enough. And I believe the antidote to insecurity is to go back to God as our source. Like the song we sang today, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak, made strong in the Savior's love. I think I got all the lyrics right. (laughs) Weak, made strong in the Savior's love. And that's what the Lord was trying to remind Moses of. And he says, hey, who gave you your mouth? I did. I will give you the words to speak. Some of you are sitting in here thinking, man, I don't know if I'm strong enough or smart enough to be the wife I'm supposed to be. And the truth is you may not be, but God is. He created you in the first place and he did not make a mistake. He can't make a mistake or he wouldn't be God. So you need to lean into him and let him bring you strength. I said, man, I don't know if I can handle this job. It's so crazy. And I, they think I'm better than I am or smarter. And I'm just, I don't have the goods. And I, if I would, why, why? He was promoted, but I wasn't promoted. And she was, and I was. What's, what's the deal? If, that, if I was better or more skilled or called to do this, then I would have been promoted. But I haven't been. And I'm still stuck in this cubicle. And I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. And, and deficiency, deficiency, deficiency. And man, God's sitting there going, man, don't insult me. You're awesome. You're awesome. We used to have this little little heart-shaped wooden plaque at my house and it made it Sunday school in third grade. I think sometimes we should just teach the same things we teach our first, second, and third graders because we'd probably just be a little better for it. It says, I'm me and I'm wonderful because God don't make junk. That's so silly. Yeah. But some of us in this room have a hard time believing it because of the chatterbox. Across the hall, we teach the young kids a G3 promise. God made me. God chose me. God loves me. 
Hey, some of you, that's the word for you today. God made you. He didn't make a mistake. You're part of his craftsmanship. You are a masterpiece to him. And he chose you for great and amazing things before you even took your first breath. And no matter how jacked up you are, no matter what you've done, he loves you. You're not too dysfunctional. You're not too deficient. He loves you. He loves you. He fully knows all your abilities, who you are, your deficiencies, and he wholly approves you. Wholly approves you. So here's Moses standing before God. The burning bush is there and hears all of these things and God is speaking to him and reaffirming him and reminding him of what is happening and what is called to do. And, and he shows him the signs and says, hey, stick your hand in the stick and the, the water to blood and all this stuff. And so Moses is talking and standing before God and all of this happens. Feeling deficient, dysfunctional. And God keeps reminding him of who God is and what God has called him to do. And Moses comes back at the end. He has no more excuses. No more excuses. Exodus chapter 4 verse 12. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Excuse me. Please send someone else. Please send someone else. All of that goes down. He's talking to God in the burning bush. And he says, hey, I hear it all. I hear what you're saying. I know you gave me the words to speak. And I know you've been here since the foundation of the earth. But God, I'm just too doubtful. I'm a little bit jacked up. I don't have the skill set. I'm just too doubtful. I'm so doubtful. The third thought that Moses has. Would you please... Send someone else. Verse 14 says this. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. And he will be so glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will help both of you speak. And I will teach you to do what to do and what to say. Verse 16 says, and he will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. Verse 17, but take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. After all that was being said and done, after all that Moses was walking through, he's so doubtful. I'm dysfunctional, I'm deficient, and I'm doubtful. God's like, fine. If that's the case, take your brother. But you tell him what to say because I still called you. And you take that stick in your hand because that's part of what I called you to use to show my people that I am God. He still struggles with this thing. And how many of you can actually relate to that? You see, sign after sign after sign of God's faithfulness in your life. Some of you are sitting in here today and you're still doubting what I'm saying to you. You don't understand. It could not be for me. And maybe, just maybe, God sent this fat white kid to tell you you're wrong. You laugh, but some people in here don't believe it. So doubtful. I don't, I've never had the strength. 
the skill set. I've seen God pull through for other people, but he just never seems to pull through for me. I'm just not good enough. I know you say that I'm loved, and I think it's sweet that we tell it to the kids, but I just don't feel loved. I think it's interesting. We, we skipped over a passage of Scripture in the very beginning when, when God was speaking to Moses. He gave that first command, and he said, Okay, God, fine, but who do I tell Who do I tell the Hebrews and the Egyptians? Who do I tell them you are? Do I tell them a burning bush? When I say God sent me, they'll say, what God? Who do I tell that they sent me? And I love how how God knew that Moses and you and I would struggle with feelings and thoughts of doubtfulness on a regular basis. So in this passage of scripture we read, as God spoke so clearly to Moses through this burning bush, he says this in chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Moses said to God, suppose I go to Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? He said, okay, God, fine, whatever. What, What do I tell them? Your name is. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I feel like if I was Moses, I'd be like, I'm sorry, what? I am who I am. Okay, wait, you broke up at the end there. I got the I am part, but who are you again? Bad reception here. Need a little help. I'll try to reposition here and stick my leg out, hold my hand up. What did you say again? What did you say again? And God said, I am who I am. This is what you shall say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. I am. You know what that means? I am, it means that he is right now. Not the God of our fathers, not the God of the Hebrews and the slaves that lived thousands of years ago and is no longer existent now, but the God who is there and who is here and will forever be. He is a present God. The scripture says that he is our very present help. In time of need. He's not a mythical creature that we read about. And we draw weird pictures and put them on the plaque of a wall. He is. He said I am God. Which means he was there when you made stupid choices. He is here in this moment. As you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And he is the God of your future. He said you tell my people that I am. And I will be for generations to come. You see, we read the story of Moses. His life continues and he goes to Egypt. The plagues happen. He lets the people go. And a few months or or so later, if you will, he ends up back at the same mountain. Speaking to God again. And God gives him the Ten Commandments. 
Maybe many of you watched the movie from the late 60s and 70s where Charlton Heston is Moses and comes walking down. Or maybe you watched the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon version. It doesn't matter either way. One of the commandments that God gave to Moses is you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. So many of you may have heard that before and you think that automatically equates the fact I can't say Jesus Christ or oh my God in vain is a curse word. And I get that, but there's so much more to that than just not saying his name as a cuss word. When he said, you shall not take my name in vain, he was saying, hey, if you're going to be a follower of me, then don't take my name in vain. Don't insult me by feeling so insecure that you don't step out of faith to be who God's called you to be. You see, when I got married a few years ago, I walked down the aisle with the most beautiful woman in the world and we stepped up before our pastor. We said yes to each other and no to everyone else. And in that moment, her name changed from Megan Ellingwood Lavorne to Megan Ellingwood Robinson, one of the greatest last names on the planet. And we began a journey of becoming one. And if you're here today and you say, I'm a Christ follower. Then don't insult God by taking his name, but not recognizing the value you have inside of you. Silence the chatterbox that says you're too dysfunctional. You're too jacked up. That says you're too deficient. You don't have enough. It says you're too doubtful. You know what's so crazy? Moses didn't doubt God. He doubted himself. And I find it so much easier to doubt ourselves than God. And I believe the word of the Lord for you today is that you are. You are enough. You are strong enough. You are, not you is smart, you is beautiful, you is kind. I'm talking about you are because God says that you are. You are because God says that you are. He has a calling and a purpose for you and you can accomplish it. And guess what? You are a little jacked up. And you are a little deficient. And guess what? There may be times you may be doubtful, but that's okay because he is strong enough. And so when you take his name, you take on his strength. When you take his name and say, I'm a Christ follower, you take on his power and his purpose for your life. So you may not be weak, but he is strong. That's what this series is about. And that's what the story is about. So you say, well, I'm too dysfunctional. And he says, I am gracious. And you say, I'm so deficient. And he says, I am sufficient. And you say, I am doubtful. But he says, I am faithful. And that is the strength for you and me. I love what Paul said. He said, man, I don't have enough to do this. But I found that when I'm weak, he is strong. So guess what? Bring on persecution, bring on trials, bring on tribulation, bring on whatever you want. Because when I am made weak, he is made strong. So it's okay that you have limitations. It's okay that you're a little jacked up. I am too. It's okay that you don't have all the strength that you need because he does. And it's time today and for this point forward to begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit for you. That God made you. God chose you, and God loves you. God made you, 
God chose you and God loves you. I believe that there are people here today that are still having a hard time. The chatterbox is going crazy. I can feel it. You just don't understand. I hear you saying that. I hear you saying that, but you don't understand. And I just want to ask you, would you just be willing to allow God's grace to be sufficient for you today? Would you, instead of trying to shift your faith to be founded on a firm foundation when you can't even wrap your head, would you just say today, God, I'll let your grace be enough. I'll let your grace be enough. Some of us need to change the way that we're speaking every day. What we say about ourselves, and maybe it's not verbally, but what we're saying on the inside. Start to say, I am because he is. I am strong enough. God's purpose is greater for me. His destiny is bigger for me. And let's begin to silence the voice of the enemy and lean into the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because think about if Moses had walked away and just said, okay, God, would you just send somebody else? Would have changed the fate of a nation. I wonder, I wonder who you're called to impact. I wonder what your marriage could look like if you began to believe the voice of the Holy Spirit for you today. I wonder how God would shape your purpose and your destiny in a way you never thought possible if you began to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I wonder what those trials would feel like, the things that feel so overwhelming. I wonder for you if maybe the next step is just peace resting in the fact that you aren't strong enough, but God is. I wonder what things would look like if we leaned in and started listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and silenced the chatterbox. I believe that's God's purpose and plan and promise for you today. God made you. God loves you. And God chose you. There's some of you in here today who don't even know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. You say, okay, I'm I'm in this experience, this environment, and I I think I hear what you're saying, but it just feels so distant. In fact, God feels so distant, like there's this major chasm, this major gap between me and God. And you know what I would tell you? The Bible actually says that gap exists, it's real, and it's called a sin gap. And it separates us from the love of God. It truly does, in a way that only we can allow it to. And that sounds so crazy. The truth is this, that all of us have sin. All of us do. And all of us have, at one point in time, experienced that gap before. Because there is a separation. There's a consequence for our sin. The Bible talks about it. There has to be a payment made for our sin. A ransom paid. And you get that, right? Because if you pass by a police officer and you're speeding, he's going to pull you over and you'll get a consequence for speeding. When an amazing thing took place. God sent his son Jesus to stand in this gap. And pay the ransom for our sin. To close that gap so we can have a relationship with him. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to remove our dysfunction. We don't have to remove our deficiencies. We simply have to say yes to Jesus. 
And I'm telling you, if you're sitting here today and you say, I want to start that today. I want to close this gap and get on track so I can silence the chatterbox. In just a few seconds, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to challenge you right where you're seated. You don't have to get up. You don't have to move. But right where you're seated in your own heart, just repeat this prayer after me. And let's close that gap and allow God to do something real in your life. And some of you are sitting in here today and you've been running from God. You've been running in the opposite direction. Today's the day to come back. As we pray that prayer, I want to challenge you. Just repeat it after me in your own heart. Right where you're seated. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. No one looking around. Somebody's in here today just saying, man, I don't know if I'm worthy enough. You don't understand my past. I want to tell you it doesn't matter. That Jesus still loves you. As we pray this prayer, I want you to just, in your own heart, just pray it from the bottom of your heart. Just all over this room, heads bowed, eyes closed. In your own heart, would you just repeat this prayer? Say, God, I know you're real. I know you love me. That you've given me purpose. But God, I feel like there's a separation. That's sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus. I want to silence the chatterbox. And lean in. And hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. Just all across this room, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just in your own heart, repeat this phrase. Say, God, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com. Or, we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, Orange County.